Okay, the award-winning, never-to-be-forgotten TMG podcast number three. And three, two, one. Hi, everybody. This is your uh, weekly edition of the TMG podcast. TMG stands for the Media Guys, and we are here to uh, serve you and uh, bring you up to date on all things college football. Uh, and before we begin, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, APBA, APBA, the unchallenged king of quality sports simulation product products. Uh, Mark Blauschen is an avid user of them. And of course, we want to thank David at uh, Revelation Studios in Chino, California. Without his expertise we would not be able to do this so let's call the roll from lovely situate massachusetts we have the jersey guy mark blauschen how are you today mr blauschen i am here let's play some football tony we're ready Game uh, I, I can't believe it and from the lovely big 10 area where everybody is happy and everybody is content <laughs> and nobody else we will welcome the great Herb Gould. Mr. Gould, how are you today? I'm great, Tony. You know, I was thinking of you this morning when I was out and about. You, I'm up here in uh, what you call Packer country, and if you were colorblind, you'd think you were in Georgia, judging by all the helmet logos I'm seeing. There's, there's a great story there, Herb, that uh, when, when Vince Dooley became the head coach of Georgia in 1964, he Georgia went from a block G to that Green Bay Packers G. So there, there is a connection there. Absolutely. And the pride of Rutgers University, Mr. Tom Lucci. Mr. Lucci, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well today, Tony. In the uh, heart, uh, you, last week you called it the uh, new Big Ten territory. I prefer to view it as the heart of Ivy League territory. <laughs> and so it shall be. And so it shall be. Well, speaking of speaking of that, let's let's just go let's just go to the fun story. Well, before we do that, before we get into the Big Ten stuff, I do want to uh, start here. Mark Blauschen wrote yesterday, and I, I I followed it up with with sort of the, some of the same content because I felt that it just needed to be hammered home. And we'll start with you, Mark Blauschen. We are seeing more and more college presidents calling out their student bodies for not doing the things they hoped they would do. So the question becomes, Mark Blauschen, what is going to happen to college football if a bunch of these presidents start sending students home? What's going to happen? Well, we'll have classes online, and we'll have football on Saturdays and Fridays, and because it's a money game, and it's been exposed for the last several weeks, if not, we've all known that. In the past, it was, it was heading that way, but now it's full-fledged. Uh, we're headed towards to free agency for players, so that's what it is. That's what it is. I mean, you can like it or not like it, but that's where we're going. Well, I, what about that, Herb? Because because you know, you know, all of us have been doing this long enough. You know what's going to happen if a school. Let's just take I don't know. Let's take the University of Alabama. Football seems to be important there. Uh, let's take the University of Alabama, and then all of a sudden, the president of Alabama, who's already he's already called out his student body once. His athletic director has called out the student body once, and the the president at Alabama says, "You know what? Everybody go home. We're going to have a virtual classes, online classes, the rest of the semester." 
And then the football program turns around and Nick Saban says, well, you know, this gives us an opportunity to create our own bubble. Okay. And we can use the dorms and the cafeterias and all those things and we can create our bubbles. And so our guys will stay here and play ball. I promise you, gentlemen, I promise you that will touch off a firestorm. One of the biggest cultural wars you've seen in a long time. Would you agree with that, Herb Gould? Well, you know, I, I would up to a point, Tony. Uh, Blau and I were talking about this the other day, and Blau's been on top of this, all credit. Um, they are inching toward what you, the scenario you just mentioned, which is students online and football players in a relatively safer bubble on campus. And, you know, we can we can question the morality and the ethics of it. But when I look at the Big Ten, for example, which if I'm reading it right, you're talking about over a billion dollars in athletic revenue that's being lost by not playing football. You know, it's kind of hard to stay on that moral high ground. That's pretty expensive moral high ground. And I think that that's what we're likely to see. And I'll take it one step further. If the three leagues, uh, power five leagues that are still playing, pull this off and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are losing, you know, the kind of revenue we're talking about, that's going to create some, you know, lingering problems. You know, I mean, oh, oh we're going oh, to get to that. <laughs> we gotta, we've got a whole section carved out for your Big Ten later on. But what about that, Luch? I mean, what, what about the fact <clears throat> That have people go and say, let me get this straight. You keep football players there so they can play games for you and entertain your fan base and make a lot of money. Is that what is that what you're telling me? They're gonna they, this the moral outrage is gonna be off the charts. Perceptually there's a problem there. There's no question about it. Because you know, you're gonna have athlete football players saying I think a couple already have saying we're here because we're more important to the bottom line, you know, and uh, you wonder why athletes now have kind of uh, discovered that they have rights and, and, you know, uh, they're in control of things to a certain degree now. Uh, in some ways it's because of this, as much as they want to compete and be with their, their friends and everything, this is a, this is a, um, another potential divide that this uh, virus has created. You know, it's kind of similar to the, the mask, no mask, and how that became a political football. Mm-hmm. And now you have perceptually students stay home, but football players. I, again, I, Mark and I have talked about this. Um, I don't know how you keep football, an entire football team, in a bubble for for the, the duration of the fall without anybody sneaking out. I mean, you know, you're in Marine boot camp. You sleep. You sneak. Manage to find a way to sneak out. You know, uh, somebody's going to get free during this time, and especially it's compounded by the fact we talked about this. They haven't seen their friends, you know, for a couple of months now. They've been cooped up. I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think perceptually, it's a, it's a really, it's a bad message for message for colleges to to send out there. Well, you know, at the end of the day, it seems like looking back now, we're, st- we're still early. Classes just started last week at most of the schools in the South. And so we're still early in the process, but you know, it, it's, it, you know, they've already they've already gone back to virtual learning in North Carolina and Notre Dame and places like that. 
we'll see how long it's going to last. But, you know, I, I'm beginning to think now that the, the ask that we were making of the students about it was too much to ask. We, we've asked them after being cooped up with their parents and their families all summer, uh, since really since March, to come in and not act like college students. And maybe that was, maybe that was too much to hope for. So we'll, we'll see. It'll, it'll be anxious to see what the numbers are like this week. And if more and more presidents go virtual and and do any presidents just say, throw up their hands and go, we can't do this. We can't do it. And let's just send everybody home. And that's when the debate. One other question. One, one yep. other idea, thought I, I, on that. I think, didn't Vanderbilt just recently hit the pause button? Yep. Okay. Here's my thing. At what point, when you have different schools operating on, on different philosophies, does it become a competitive disadvantage? I mean, I think we're going to run into that. If, if North Carolina has to shut down for, oh, five days of football practice, but their openers in two weeks, you know, and, and Syracuse has been practicing the whole time. I mean, yep. at what point are we going to be talking about competitive disadvantage versus competitive advantage? I mean, that's another thing that plays in just from a strictly football perspective. That's another factor that plays into this whole thing. No, I, there, there's no no doubt about it. And and the answer that you will get or that I got when I talk to some people is that, you know what, this whole this whole idea of competitive balance and advantage and disadvantage, people are going to have to get over that. OK, because it's just it's, it, you you can't maintain it in this kind of atmosphere or it's 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 damn near impossible to contain it. And well, yeah, that, that will definitely come into play. Before, Tony, you know, because I haven't been able to practice a lot. I'm not getting over it that quickly, though. That's all I'm saying. If I start on four because I, I'm 10 practices short of my opponents, yeah, that's yeah. not going to sit well with me. Yeah, nope. but you know what? I think, I think that what Tony's saying is, is what makes good sense to me is everybody's going to have to, like, get over it because – the bottom line is the bottom line this fall, and whether we can we can debate the morality of playing football when students aren't on campus or or unequal playing fields for practice time, but the main thing is these people need to make some money, and it, it's you know that that's the bottom line. It's just the bottom line is the bottom line. They need they need to play a little bit of ball so that they can get some television revenue, and then you know they're still going to have you know crazy finances, but. They need to get something done, and they don't worry about the details. Well, that is true. That is true. So just, yeah, we'll all keep our eye on that this week uh, for this podcast and certainly for now. A pretty good place to remind our friends who are listening to this that all the stuff that we write for TMG is now under the Sports Illustrated umbrella. So if you want to get, get to us quickly, it's si.com slash TMG si.com slash tmg and we're we're posting there on a regular basis and you get to uh get to read our stuff so please do that so herb you are you're you're in the green bay area but you're still you're, you're in big 10 country and i guess it's another day where you wake up and be glad that you're not kevin warren the the big 10 commissioner I mean, this thing, this has been an amazing story to watch how it grows and grows and grows. Now, all of a sudden, you got you got Nebraska families lawyering up, trying to get out, filing FOI requests. You got a, a, a protest in Rosemont, Illinois, and another one planned for Columbus, Ohio on Saturday. And Kevin Warren's having to say, look, 
ask the presidents. But b- bottom line, Herb, from from your part of the world, it's been it's been a communications blunder, unlike anything we've seen in a long time. But what what are you hearing from people up there? Well, you know, I mean, we saw that there were some parents who gathered to protest at the uh, Big Ten office, even though no one was going to be there Friday morning. Um, you know, I, I just think that if if football gets played elsewhere, I, I don't see, you know, I, I think Kevin Warren is just going to have a, a vote of no confidence. I mean, I don't want to predict exactly how that plays out, but how can he move forward when he has enraged, you know, parents and players? Uh, and, you know, the, the bottom line, is, as we just mentioned, is just in total jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, this is just this is just really a disaster to not stay hand in hand, you know, even just kick the thing down the road. I, I don't you know. The details, are again, are unimportant, but you don't call it off when he called it off. What you do is you say, you know what, we're going to rethink it, even if he suspends practice, even six days after he announced a schedule, then maybe say, you know, we may have to tear up this schedule and we may have to play eight games and start in late September, um, you, you just can't call it off the way he did. And it, I, I don't know where he got that idea. You know, I mean, if he had talked to anybody, you know, whether it was us or, or his predecessor, Jim Delaney or or university presidents or you know, you just couldn't. You know, it, it's just a mess that's just not going to go away. I mean, his best case scenario is that it blows up for these other three conferences, and I don't think anybody would like to be rooting for that. Mark Blauschen, where did Kevin Warren make his biggest mistake? What was his biggest mistake? The biggest mistake he made, and the biggest mistake everyone made among the conference commissioners, was not listening to Greg Sankey, who played with all the commissioners in their weekly conference calls, before you have to make a decision. The SEC stuck to it. They said September 26th was the day we're going to start. A rhetorical question here, but how many how many times will we have right now? And everyone had, had said that's a great idea, and no games, no games were scheduled mm-hmm. before September 26th. The conference games, all this, all this hysteria, all this stuff. We could have gone through. We could have had students come back to school. We could have gone through the, the spikes and thing, and 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 still had enough time to prepare for a season that it still was a month away. But no, again, money, money, money. They wanted it in September 3rd. They're playing against Saturday night, for God's sakes. Are you kidding me? This Saturday night, Austin Peace plays right. Arkansas. So I, in, in Montgomery, they're starting the season. I think that's, because it's on ESPN. What, what a shock. Money again. So that's the key right there. If he listened to, to, to Beth Sankey, we would have been, been a much quieter summer and everyone would have been happier. Tom Lucci should. Uh... Uh, with everything that's happened, or, or should the parents just kind of get over it? I mean, you you have to you admire their persistence and how they're backing up. But at this point, the decision's been made. I would say I would say they do deserve clarity. They do deserve that kind of information. But but at the end of the day, this decision's been made and it's not going to change. No, you're 100 percent right. It's not. And if they need to vent, let them vent. You know, I understand that. But. Uh, you know, I think Bob and I were talking about this the other day. Um, if, if it was my kid, and, you know, and I have three college graduates, uh, if it was mine and one of them was had their football season suspended, um, you know what my message would be? Hey, how about a 4.0 this semester? 
Okay, <laughs> and let, let's re, you know, regroup for next year. You know, instead of worrying about uh, having to play football, they made a decision. This is the decision. You can protest it all you want. You know, by the time, you know, they sue and they get this thing heard in court, we're going to be halfway through the season. So I, I really don't understand the point other than venting some frustrations, which is fine, which is fine by me. I, you know, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Well, you know, the the really goofy thing or, or strange thing about the way Kevin Warren handled this is ultimately his decision may prove to be the one that everybody else reaches, which is that mm -hmm. he can't play football. But you just can't make that decision so early without a consensus. And, I, you know, I still am not convinced that there's going to be a lot of football played. You know, they may start, but. We'll see how, you know, how it goes. I mean, we're still seeing problems in the, in the baseball world and college kids are a tougher deal, even if there is an online uh, world going on and they don't have to be mingling with kids. Right. Well, and ultimately, yeah, Kevin Warren's decision, you, you, it may ultimately be the right decision, but it, the right decision, I think the argument is that, that it's the right decision made at the wrong time uh, yep. where, where everybody else was, was sort of holding holding their fire and said, "Okay, let's start later. Let's do the, let's do this." I th that's one thing. The other thing, and I want to ask Mark Klaus in this, is I can't help but feel that Kevin Warren, as a rookie commissioner, he's now he, he's worked in the NFL and he's done a lot right. of different things, but he's not worked at this level of college athletics. It's a different animal. Part of me, and I can't prove this. It's just knowing knowing the other guy who used to be in that seat, Jim Delaney, uh, as we, we all do, I, if Jim Delaney's commissioner, I don't see this happening, okay? I, I see another solution or the ability to pull it off. I think that's one thing. I think the other thing, as a rookie commissioner, I think the presidents of the Big Ten really were the driving force behind this, and Kev, Kevin Warren ended up being the messenger. Any Anything to that, Mark? Oh, I, I agree with you 100%. And Herb made a great point, which I have told about this this week, is that Kevin had had like six months apprenticeship uh, watching what Delaney did and how he operated to pick things up. And apparently he picked up nothing from it, at least at least a, at least a style. And that's the big thing. Um, and the other part is is that yeah, Kevin Warren came, came, um, came, from, came from the corporate world of the NFL where everything was dictated and saying he's he's in he's in a wild wild west in college athletics. No, no one pays attention to anything. They make rules as they go along. It's a whole new world for him. So he's he's, he's opening his eyes up or giving his eyes up that big time. Now what he, I think he'll survive this because I think it's a rookie mistake. This is a ridiculous, unusual year. I hope it never happens again in anyone's life, not because it's so it's so screwed up. And I, his, his credentials are certainly good enough to, to merit in, in the long term. I mean, might be, as I've said, it might be proven right in the long term. But for but the lack of communication, lack of understanding, uh, everything you said is absolutely correct with him. You know, the other thing, guys, is that I, I think, you know, there, there is an element of Big Ten arrogance, you know, and I think that, you know, how Kevin, you know, adapted to that so quickly, I think that during the when they were shutting down basketball in March, he was very, very proactive on stopping that Big Ten basketball tournament. And I'm not sure if they were exactly the first of the big conferences, but they shut down at halftime of the game, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe he thought that by doing this, he would, you know, be leading the charge 
to shut down this football season. And obviously it hasn't turned out that way, but again, goes to your rookie mistake kind of question. Um, it's just, it's just a really going to be difficult situation for him, especially if, if people are able to play. Well, here, here's and another cop. There's one other, there's one other thing, which we, which we all know is, and I think it's quite a factor in here. There's the big 10 arrogance, which they, they are, they think they do things better than everybody else. And so when I think when they made that move, I think they expect everyone to fall in line, including the SEC and the other boys. When it didn't happen, they were going, uh-oh, uh, really? Oh, oh my God. Oh, wow. When did that shut down? Oh, okay. So yeah. I think they got caught flat, flat footed for that one. It's only about surprise. Well, remember, it was Kevin Warren that, that called the meeting, the emergency meeting of, of the Power Five commissioners, and basically told uh, Kevin Warren, told everybody, hey, this is what we're going to do. And that's right. I think he expected the the SEC and the ACC to fall in line. They said no. They gave them immediate pushback because they, they felt the timing, the decision might be the right, but the timing wasn't the right one. So. Yeah. And he knew that too, Tony, because I'm sure yeah. Greg Sankey, they had those weekly meetings and then that, that, that the consensus that I heard was waiting later was better for everybody. We just wait. We don't have to do anything yet. Let's wait as long as we can. And that, and they went the total opposite. They started September 3rd, for God's sakes, with, yeah. with the original schedule. Well, that's right. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't know that that was a terrible idea to start early and leave windows of time. And then also when you, you know, th- that part, doesn't bother me as much. The, the the thing that that really surprises me about this is that when Jim Delaney made a decision, and you know we're all revering him as you know the master at this point, but he he took things one step at a time. And I remember when he was wooing the big uh, Notre Dame, when he was contemplating changes to the Rose Bowl arrangement, there were always stalking horses out there. You know, athletic directors, university presidents. Even, you know, us guys in the media, we were fed little items. And then, you know, that, well, the Big Ten's thinking about doing this. And then there was time for everybody to digest it and debate it. And then you got to a consensus. And we just had no time to do any of that on, yep. on this. And, and that's unfortunate. Right. Well, here, here's another complicating factor on this story. Bill Moose, the athletic director. At Nebraska, I've known Bill for a long, long time. Uh, he did an interview with the Omaha World Herald, and basically, I don't want to say he threw Warren under the bus, but he basically said, you know, you know, Kevin's, you know, Kevin hasn't worked in college athletics before, and you know, we, oh, he revealed, Bill Moose revealed in that story that all, all of the Big Ten, all fourteen of the Big Ten athletic directors wanted to continue on and not shut it down. The problem, Bill Moose said, was that they were not allowed into the room with the presidents. They expressed how they felt to Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren met with the presidents, and the athletic directors wanted to be in the room to express why they felt the way they felt. And so they felt kind of shut out by the by the whole process. But anyway, it it, uh, it is not a complimentary story. Can I say one thing here? Uh, I'm, and it's, it's considered the source. I mean, I have no doubt that happened. But who has been the most anti-Big Ten member of the last several weeks in the Big Ten? It's coming from Nebraska, who once yep. they wanted to play football until they were forced to play, not yep. to play. 
So, I mean, I understand the criticism, but but if that criticism and that does come as came from from Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State, I'd take a little bit more credibility. But I wonder if there's an agenda, an agenda beyond the agenda where Bill Moose is is, is talking to his thing and says, look, this is the Big Ten that's screwed up. With another reason for us to get out of this league. I, I don't know. Yep. Just a guess on my part. No, I, I'm, no I, I, I think there's some merit to that. I really do. And yeah, no, John, but it's about anything like that. So, you know, you know, the, the other thing I, I keep asking myself is uh, Jim Phillips, the Northwestern athletic director, who's just, you know, off the charts in terms of being one of the top ADs in the nation. Well, his name was mentioned a lot for the Big Ten job. Uh, he didn't get it. And I don't know that he even wanted it. You know, people just thought this guy would be a natural. Uh, and, you know, I keep asking myself. If Jim had been sitting in that commissioner's chair, how would this have gone down? You know, he wasn't the business-oriented guy with the NFL experience, but I think he would have been a better consensus builder because, you know, as you mentioned, Tony, that's a job that, you know, if you don't have experience in, you know, a real grassroots level, you're going to have a lot of questions that are going to be tough to answer. Absolutely, absolutely. This 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 story is not going away. The story is not going away because the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Twelve continue to practice, continue to work towards the goal of starting their season. And what is it? All right, Blau. So we've got uh, we've got the SEC starting on September twenty sixth. We got the ACC. They've got a Thursday night game on September tenth, I do believe. And I think the Big Twelve starts on September September twelfth as well with a bunch of non-conference games so it i mean it, it's coming and this is the last oh, week coming Saturday, like I said. I mean, and it's coming blah tell, tell us all about this august 29th game i mean <laughs> this, this is awesome yeah, i i i like i assumed i just assumed labor day weekend was the first game september 3rd and i was looking back and i'm looking at i saw august 29th and, and then i saw austin p and, and central Arkansas were very proud about playing the game in montgomery alabama on the ESPN and Saturday night, they were going to open the season. I said, oh and you know goodness. what? I'll bet you the TV ratings for that game oh, well, are sure. bigger than anything Austin P or Central Arkansas has ever seen. Absolutely. Without question, you know, um, because people want to see, you know, I mean, I, I remember once talking Josh Poole, which a good friend of ESPN, we were talking about a, a favorite subject about how meaningless bowl games were we saw it in, in Christmas week. And he told me they got 0.01 on a, on a Wednesday afternoon game, Christmas week. They would make money off of the game. I mean, because I mean, people want would rather watch that soap opera or game shows. They, if people want to watch college football, they turn it on. Now, how long they stay with it, it doesn't matter. But but they'll turn it on and watch it. But start. All right, all right. Now, I, gentlemen, I have to ask uh, a, a question here that's really a little bit bizarre. And it's this, the associate, first of all, all of us are friends with, with Ralph Russo, the, uh, the head guy associated press for college football. We love Ralph to death, dear, dear friend. But today the associated press released their, their preseason poll. And in the preseason poll, they told the people who vote on it, well, don't worry about the teams that are not playing, go ahead and vote them in anyway. So what, what we've got here, gentlemen, is let me scroll down. The number one in reverse order, the number one team, of course, is the Clemson Tigers. But the number two team in the 2020 Associated Press preseason poll 
or shall we have a drum roll? The Ohio State Buckeyes, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, who are not even going to play this year. Um, somebody explain to me the logic. I guess I guess they just wanted to say, don't don't worry about who's. We don't know who's going to play. We don't know who's not going to play. We don't know. So just pretend that Ohio's. Just pretend that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 didn't say they're not going to play this year. So make it make, make it make sense, Mark Blasher. No, yeah, I, I I defer to Herb Gould. Herb, yeah, I think I think Tony, you gotta yeah, you gotta give me that one because as we do our Sweet Sixteen, I am gonna have some teams that aren't gonna play this fall in my Sweet Sixteen, and I will tell you why because people need to be reminded that that we're playing a partial deal here. You know, this yeah. is like the National League is playing and the American league is not. And when you win the world series in one league, it's sort of, you know, um, it's a different, it's a different world series. So, you know, to put him in, I wouldn't, I'll put him in a preseason poll. If I was voting every week, I don't know that I would do that, but I think it's just a reminder that this is, you know, it's like a partial score. I mean, to, you know, to put people in there that, wouldn't be in there, you know, and I, and I reduce the number. I'm, I'm not going to put as many in there knowing that they're not playing, but I think there should be a few in there uh, because, because this is, you know, it, it's a reminder that this isn't really a true championship season. So, so Tom Lucci, that means Tom Lucci, that means we we can put we can put Rutgers in the in the sure. preseason poll, right? With all due respect, Ralph Russo who does a great job. It's moronic. It's just moronic. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. So Clemson, Clemson loses a game. Ohio State never plays. They move to number one. Absolutely. No. They can't be bunched at a number one because they will never have lost. I mean, no, it's, just, I it's the most moronic thing. You know, it reminds me a little bit of many, many years ago before I proudly was kicked off the AP uh, poll as a voter. Uh, many of you, Mark knows the story, but I, I don't know if the other guys do. But um, way back when, they used to have uh, teams eligible that were on probation, if you remember way right. back when. And um, I wouldn't vote Florida one year in the in the uh, AP Top 20 poll. Everybody else had them one or two. And I wouldn't put them in because at the time, Galen Hall and, and the administration had admitted to 110 violations. And I couldn't in good conscience vote them in the AP Top 20 20 poll at the time, knowing they had cheated. So I got kicked off. But anyway, it's absolutely stupid. I guess, you know, Ohio State goes 0-0 and wins the national championship. Great. I like it. No, I don't think that that's really the question here, though, because what you're saying, let's see what the the first poll is after, you know, everybody's played a game. I mean, if I'm a voter, I put them in a preseason poll as a ceremonial gesture and reminder that this is a strange season, that's one thing. I mean, to keep them, you know, I'm not going to keep them in the poll as games are played, but in a preseason poll. Now, I don't know what the AP thing is, but I can see having them in a preseason poll, but then, you know, they're not going to be there when games are played. I, I got to defend I mean, to me, the AP poll is meaningless anyway, because it doesn't impact the college football playoffs. So it's ceremonial to begin with. So if you want to do that, Go ahead. Have a blast. Guys, I, I talked to I talked to Ralph when when this happened and in defense of him, he said it was a one week it was a one time poll. He says once the season starts, only teams that have scheduled games will be eligible to get votes. So it'll it'll disappear in the first week with 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 that. So I mean 
I understand that. And then, and so, but, but again, Thank I, you. I, 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 <laughs> so if I'm voting now, Mark, I could just put Rutgers one for the heck of it. One in the country. No, I, because I and then they're not going to be in next week. So nobody will notice. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't agree with the premise. So I don't agree with her on his premise. I mean, you, you vote on the teams that are going to play football this year. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, I could vote for I could vote for this, but if the United, you know, the 2000 Miami team because they were a great team, but they did not. So I'm not. Well, I'm not going to no, do the, the the only reason I like it, and the only reason it can be justified, is it just gave us five minutes on our TMG <laughs> podcast, and after a, after all, TMG, it's all about us. Okay, understand that. That is the deal. Hey, one, all right. one last thing, I, Tony, I want to say. I'd like to be Ryan Day right now. How many sports first place votes did Ryan Day get? Did Ohio State get in the poll? Because oh. can you imagine this, as men as he is, he's got to ask, he ask questions from, from the Columbus Dispatch about how it feels to get to be number one in the country, get number hey, one votes. Well, here's, here's the thing: is Ryan Day? I've read this in a couple of different places that Ryan Day was privately telling people that this is a generational team. In other words, this could be one of the best football teams Ohio State has ever had. And yep. the fact that you don't even get a chance to play has got oh, yeah. this to be. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, looking ahead to this week, Mark Blauschen, what have you got your eye on this week? Uh, Austin T. I think they're good. Yeah. <laughs> No, actually, what we're going to see is we're going to see students come back to class, more spiky numbers. Let's see, let's see how everyone maneuvers the, the positive numbers for keeping kids in, not only in class and on campus, and then how that works out so they can start football. All right. So, Herb Gould, the, the heat stays turned up in the Big Ten? Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's going to be I – mean, if other people play football – and the, and Kevin Warren's going to have a problem on his hand that is not going to go away. I don't want to get into predicting, you know, too far into the future, but that undermines his leadership to a degree that we'll we'll have to assess down the road. Yeah, this isn't going to go away because people are going to still keep pressuring for it, especially as as some of these games, you know, that Blau has mentioned. If, if smaller schools are playing football. That's going to remind people that, you know, the SEC still has a month to go. And why can't Big Ten, you know, change their mind? I mean, we've heard experts say that, you know, the, one of the great marks of leadership is to say, hey, I made a mistake. Now, I I would be shocked. I mean, there's no way that the Big Ten's going to reverse. But the heat is going to stay on because people are outraged. And also because these bottom lines are just destroyed, you know, that. The budgets are just are going to be just destroyed. So yeah, this isn't going away just because you know they're not playing football or practicing now. Mm-hmm. Finally, Tom Lucci, if 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 the president starts sending students home, are the big boys going to try to come up with some version of the bubble on campus? Uh, I don't think there's any question. Hey, well, I, you know that'll be uh, for the next two weeks. I think what I'm going to have to chart is which teams are losing practices because listen Tony if I'm going to deliver a third straight year of a winning record against the picks for uh, against the spread for CMG I got to I got to pay attention to who's practicing who's not practicing who's shut down uh, here's the here's the other thing I wanted to, to throw in before we before we finish you know recently just recently the Kentucky Derby announced no fans now that's an event that is 
completely contingent on fans. 140, 150, infield, the whole deal. No fans in the Kentucky Derby this year. And you know that 90 miles down the road, there's an SEC team. So, um, you know, in Lexington. So it's affecting everything. And I'm just curious to see what's going to happen. I, that's amazing. Yeah, I think they're going to forge ahead and try and create their bubble. But you got Kentucky there now in a, in a state where even the, even the Kentucky Derby is not going to have fans. So let's see how uh, how that plays out. It'll it'll absolutely be interesting. The everybody's talking between twenty and thirty percent capacity for these games. So we'll see how that works. Hey guys, we're out of time. This has been a lot of fun. It always is. Uh, Want to give thanks again to our friend John Herson at APA, the unchallenged king of quality sports products, simulation products. He's done a uh, done a whole lot for us. Thanks again to David at Revelation Studios in Chino, California. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, guys, let's do it again next week. So for Mark Blauschen, Herb Duell, Tom Lucci, I'm Tony Barnhart. You guys take care. Be safe out there and carry on. <laughs>